Uh, Yeshua didn't give me as much to teach on today, so this will be a little short. So let's, let's look at one story, and we'll draw it out together. Teresa and I have been having such a blast after supper. We go and we read a little passage from the Besorah, the Gospels, right? And uh, we, like, we read it in Hebrew, word by word, and we act it out, and then we draw pictures of it. And it's really fun drawing pictures with Tirza. So we kind of started doing that here too more often because I like drawing pictures. And uh, so let's, let's look at this last story in um, the book of Matthew, or Matthew uh, chapter 20. So there's this, this story here where, let's say, so here's, here's Jerusalem like way up here in the hills, all right? Way up here in the hills. See, there's Jerusalem. And there's the big holy temple, pillars, big buildings. There we go. Okay, and um, then way over down here, it's like downhill to the east by the, by the Yardane, the, the, uh, the Jordan. So we'll see, here's the Jordan River. And then here's Jericho, here's Jericho. And uh, there are a couple of houses. Hey, Teresa. You love it when I draw pictures, don't you? Okay, so Yeshua and his guys, it says, they're leaving Jericho and there's a ton of people with them. So we'll draw... Uh, this is totally out of proportion, okay? And my, my drawing is really primitive, and I know that, but, I'm, but it's the fun factor. I'm having fun with this, and I hope you are too. So here's Yeshua and his guys. And uh, when Tirza and I are drawing Yeshua, we like to draw him with a crown because he's the Mashiach, the king. So that's how we can tell that it's him. So there's Yeshua, and he's really happy. And, um, and here are some of his disciples following along. Let's see, there were two brothers. So we'll draw them, and they both look the same. We'll say that's Shimon Kepha and, and uh, his brother Andrew. All right. And then there are these, um, there's, there are the two, these two guys who are blind. And it doesn't say if they were blind for their whole lives or for a short period of time. Uh, assumingly, they probably found each other and kind of uh, teamed up with each other at some point. Um, kind of the classic blind leading the blind scenario, maybe? I don't know. So, we'll say that. Um, where are we going to put the blind guys? We'll put them over here for now. So, uh, they're just like sitting here by the side of the road, right? And they're probably asking for tzedakah, for alms... And uh, we'll draw their, their hairs a little longer and shaggy and there. They're kind of, their clothes are kind of worn, you know? So anyway, they hear that Yeshua is coming past. And I guess they must have heard about him that he could actually heal people. He even made blind people see. And um, it says, they heard that he was coming past. So they started, they started shouting. They were saying, Master, have mercy on us. Ben David. And Ben David means Messiah, right? So they're like, you're the Messiah, have mercy on us. So that indicates they actually believed in Yeshua, that he was the Mashiach. And uh, there are all these people, I guess they were probably like the, maybe they were like the uptight religious people in town, or maybe they were on like the Jericho's committee for rolling out the red carpet for the rabbi and making sure that he had a nice time and he didn't see anything unseemly in the area because they were like, stop shouting, be quiet, just hush, hush. And so they were like, they were like trying to tell him to be quiet. So we'll uh, we'll draw a couple people, threatening them and telling them to shut up. 
this person is really alarmed because these guys are making a racket. So, this is, this is where the story gets really cool. It says, um, Yeshua heard them shouting and making a ruckus, and uh, he actually stopped. Like, never mind the big crowds, never mind all the affluent people, never mind the grumpy people who are trying to shut these guys up. He stopped and says, he called them, and he asked them a question. He said, uh, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Master, we want our eyes to be opened. That makes sense. And then it says that Yeshua was moved with compassion, so he came over to them, and he touched their eyes. And it says immediately, they regained their sight and they followed him. So, here, let's draw them regaining their sight, and they're really happy. And they're going to start following him. Guys are really big because they are like, wow, we can see. And um, there's another story where, like, the blind man had a special blind person's garment. I guess it was like an ID marker in their culture. And he says he threw it aside. So we'll just draw. We'll just say they threw their old blind person jackets on the road, and and away they went with the master. I guess up to Jerusalem. And I really love that story because it's such a personal story. Like you really, you really feel with these blind guys, you know. And um. Yeah. What really hit me was Yeshua asked them a question. Like, Yeshua is God the Son. So he has this omniscience thing going. So he knows everything. So like when, when God asks a question, it's not because he's lacking in information or he needs you to explain something to him, eh? He, he, can, see, he can see that. So when God asks questions like, Where are you? Or, Hey, uh, Where's your brother? It's not because he doesn't know. Uh, there's probably a reason behind it. Um, maybe it's a question to get you thinking. Or maybe it's just to engage you. I think it's, I think it's cool that we have a creator who like... I mean really, of, of all the people in the world that should just have the right to sit there and talk at you, it should be the creator of the universe. Because he's always writing because he knows everything, right? And... Um, Generally, those are the kinds of people who maybe would have a tendency to just talk all the time to you. But he actually comes to people and he just asks them a question. And then there's quiet until the person answers. Like, wow, the Creator engages people in dialogues. Like, he engages you and me in dialogues. He comes and asks us questions. I love that. So, that's what Yeshua does. He asks these guys... What do you want me to do for you? I, isn't that funny? I mean, you have to appreciate the humor in that. Like, these guys are clearly blind. And they're like, have mercy on us! And it's like, oh, uh, well, what exactly do you want me to do for you? It's like, I can almost imagine them thinking like, no, duh! <laughs> we can't see! But, you know, they, they, they totally respond to him. I, I dig that. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I don't think Yeshua was conscious of like, the molecular motion of every molecule in the universe in his omniscience necessarily. Because, I mean, yeah, he, was, he became a human being. I mean, it would be kind of freaky 
if little baby Yeshua was like watching his parents and he knew everything that they did and everything. I mean, that would be pretty freaky if your children could do that, you know? So, yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, I know what you were talking about yesterday night. It's like, yeah, right. To be to be brother to the ultimate know-it-all, except that I'm sure Yeshua wasn't annoying it. Right. Yeah, Yeshua really was the perfect brother. That would be hard. Um, well, this is pretty short, so let's, let's have more after. That's cool, Susie. Yeah, if you have a thought, that would be good. But remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Jacob and how God didn't just like be like, Hey, Jacob, you know, I'm coming through for you, buddy. Here I am. Just go and have a good sleep. You know, just go have a good sleep, man. I'm here for you. Like, Jacob actually... Like, God came to Jacob and they wrestled with each other all night long. Like, on the ground. Violently. Violently. Like, if you've ever seen a boxing match, or uh, let's say UFC or something, like, you're talking two guys having it out all night long. And Jacob walked away from that physically maimed. Like, for the rest of his life. In, 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 in the Western world, they would have taken him to the hospital in an ambulance in the morning with a, with a dislocated hip. Why? And we were, you know, we were talking a couple of Shabbats ago about how we, we have a creator who actually, he like wants us to engage with him. Like sometimes he's challenging you to step into the ring with him. And not fight with him like in a, in a negative way, but to really like grab him and to engage and to wrestle through the dark nights that we all have. And to say, I'm not going to let you go until you do this for me or until you do that for me. I mean, we have, to, we have to coach that concept. You know, like, um, James, one of Yeshua's little brothers, who probably grew up, yeah, watching the perfect older brother. Who knows what he thought of him. He wrote in chapter 4 of his epistle, if you don't have anything, it's because you haven't asked for it. And if there are situations where you've asked for it and you haven't received it, it might be because it's, it was just a selfish request. And you just put in the request for your own selfish purposes. He said that that can be the case. But um, that wasn't the case in Jacob's scenario. That was, he, was, he was facing an existential threat, not only to himself, but to his whole clan, uh, to his family. And uh, he really wanted God's blessing, too. And that was a good desire. God honored that desire. Actually, there's another desire in this story that we see. Um, it's hard to tell. Like, um, Yaakov and Yochanan, James and John, they come with their mom to Yeshua, they're probably pretty young. They might have even been in their teens. And so anyway, they come with their mom to Yeshua. And they're like, Yeshua, when you become the king of Israel, we want, like, we want to be your right and left hand guys. Like, we want to be the most important guys in your kingdom. And it's kind of funny that Yeshua wasn't like, you guys, stupid. This is not a good desire of yours. It's interesting that he never, he just said, well, you guys, like, do you have what it takes? You know, I'm going somewhere where it's going to be really tough. You want to go there with me? I'm going to drink a cup of bitter suffering. You want that cup? And then he actually, he didn't say, guys, that's such a stupid, egomaniacal, maniacal like thing to ask. He just said, here's the way to be great in my kingdom, guys. Become a servant. Totally counterculture, eh? So just, just in this parasha that we've been reading in, in the last couple of weeks and in the Gospels, we just see these stories of people who come to Yeshua with real hearts and with real desires, and He, he really accepts them and He honors that and He, and he shows them the way. I, I, I've really been sensing the Master's challenge to me this week, like, what do you want me to do for you? 
Don't just sit back and expect me to hand you life on a golden platter. Don't just look at your city and expect that I'm going to do whatever I want and write it all off under my sovereignty. Like, what do you want me to do in your family? What do you want me to do in your city? What's your dream for Prince Albert? Like, those are the kinds of questions that the Master has been asking me for the last month or two. And I just hear him, like, calling me to step out and to start engaging with him in prayer and to dream big and to really, like, aggressively engage and not to let go until I see some of those dreams materialize. And uh, what, what does it say in, in Psalms? Like, when we delight ourselves in him, he gives us the desires of our hearts. And ka that's a lot of people's favorite verse. Seriously, right? But what if that's not talking so much about like you getting what you want what if that's talking about when like you begin to delight yourself in Yahweh and he becomes your top priority and you fall in love with him and his concerns become your concerns what if like the desires in your heart begin to change and he gives you new desires that's how I would read that verse personally it's not about him coming and just being the divine Santa Claus that grants your wish list what if, about, what if it's about him coming and giving you new desires? Maybe they will be in accord with his desires. Maybe they'll be for the kingdom. Maybe they'll be audacious. Like, maybe they'll be shocking. Maybe they will, they will be like desires that people would be like, you are crazy. You, that's just not going to happen around here. Like, that is, a, that is not, that naturally will never happen. But maybe that's the way Yeshua sees the world. Maybe that's like the kind of thing that he's inviting us to sometimes when he says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's notable too that like there were people in the lives of these blind men who did not want them to buck the status quo. There were people in the lives of this, these blind men who just wanted them to shut up. They just wanted them to be quiet. They didn't want them to rock the boat. They didn't want them to make noise. They didn't want them to ask Yeshua for anything. And there will be people like that in your life. There are people like that in your life. When God begins waking your heart up and stirring you and rocking your world and showing you that maybe there's more to the little, to the, than the little life that you have and that he, he wants to do huge stuff in your area and through you, it, I guarantee you, you will offend people. You will, you will make people mad. People will look at you and say, that person's arrogant. They, they think thoughts that are just too big. People will say that about you. I guarantee you. But dream with Yeshua anyway. And... And really shout to him. Like, don't shut up. Keep shouting. Because he's going to hear you, and he's going to stop, and he's going to say, what do you want me to do for you? And that might be the start of some really great stuff. And in this case, you know, these blind men had their sight miraculously restored. Maybe Yeshua doesn't want to just do things for us individually. Maybe he wants to do things for your family. And you can say, Yeshua, I want you to do this for my family. I want you to do this in the life of this individual. I want you to do this in my city. That's, that's audacious to talk like that. But when, when we know that we're praying according to His will, what does it say in 1 John? It says if we know that we're asking anything according to His will, then we know that He hears us, and we know that we have whatever we asked of Him. Does anyone know where that actually is? I can quote it, but I don't know the chapter and verse for it. Here, maybe, can we hunt it out together? That's a really good verse. Okay, here it is. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, 
Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. So, you know, when we are living an observant lifestyle to the best of our abilities, when we're doing the stuff that brings pleasure to God, then you can feel free to just ask Him to do stuff for you. Ask Him to do stuff for your family in the city, and He's going to respond. He will come through for you. And when we look at the lives of people like Daniel, the prophet, we learn that God doesn't always answer your requests right away. And you may have to ask more than once. Like, you may have to do more than just pl- put in a little request once. Um, I will be honest, I am, I am like, I'm a real wimp when it comes to praying. Like, I go belly up so fast. I will ask God for something, and if it doesn't happen within the, like 24 hours, then my reactions will be like, God isn't good, or God does not love me, or God is not powerful enough, or he's just ignoring me, he's, for some reason, he's, an, he's absent. Those are the kinds of things that my heart will automatically respond with, quite honestly. Um, or I'll get mad, or I'll get discouraged or disappointed, and I'll just want to give up on it. You know, like, seriously, that's the way I am. I'm like, I'm like, ka-ching, it has to happen right now, or, and it has to happen my way, or I, whatever. I I react, right? And that's my spiritual immaturity, but that's totally me, right? So something that I've been learning in this journey that I'm on about wrestling and about praying like tenaciously and about dreaming big and about desiring stuff for his kingdom and for my family and for myself is uh, there are times when you have to lock in and you have to just say, I'm going to see this thing through. And I'm not just going to ask him once and I'm not going to just go belly up and start bawling because... He's not doing it my way, right? Like, Daniel, this guy was just eating salad for three weeks straight and praying the same stuff until finally, like, this angel comes to him. And this, is, this is a crazy story. This totally doesn't fit my, my box, seriously. But this angel comes to him and says, you know, the moment you, you set your heart to begin praying, I was dispatched to uh, bring this message to you. But I had to deal with this prince over your geographical area before I could get to you. There, there, that one story says a lot. There are spiritual forces that will block your prayers at times temporarily. So don't give up. If you see yourself as a, as a civilian in a rosy, like rosy red, um, tiptoe through the tulips, and I'm not going to sing it, world, like then you will go belly up very fast. You will get discouraged, and you will probably get caught in the crossfire, and you will be mowed down, and you will become a casualty of faith. If you see yourself primarily as a civilian, that is not in a wartime scenario. If you see yourself as a soldier in Messiah's army in the middle of a world that is at, like in, the, in a crossfire between Yeshua and his kingdom and Satan and his kingdom, there are going to be some things in your life that begin to make sense. Maybe there are reasons that prayers aren't answered immediately. If Daniel's story is any example... You may have to lock in. You may have to get really intense. You may have to pray for weeks at a time. Or maybe even years at a time. Because there are unseen things happening in the spiritual dimension. But just be encouraged. Don't give up. You'll have the breakthrough if you just lock in and keep going. And I think maybe that's where community comes in too. Because if you're a lone soldier, good luck. I mean, really. Uh, Christopher likes to say, like my bro, he likes to say, you know what happened to the Lone Ranger, right? He got shot. So like, lone soldiers, you just don't do it. But when you're part of a platoon, when you're part of a brigade, when you're part of an army, then you have support, you have backup, you have a medic, you have people to watch out for you. 
I'm really thankful for family and community in that regard. Because there will be times when we'll get discouraged. There will be times when we want to give up. But if you're praying with other people for specific things, there will be that momentum. And they'll say, let's keep going. And you'll say, you know what? If it was just up to me, I'd be out right now. But all right, let's keep going. Um, So I, I leave that with you. Could it be that that's something Yeshua is waiting for you to do? Could it be that He's walking past and He's waiting for you to take the initiative and say, Yeshua... Start shouting. Buck the status quo. Ignore the religious people and say, Yeshua, help me. Yeshua, have mercy on me. And maybe he'll ask you, what do you want me to do for you? What are you going to tell him? Like, what, what, what is your dream? What, like, what are your heart's desires? What does your family need? That's, these are, these are, this is a very personal talk for me because this is stuff he's talking to me about, right? So anyway, I, I share that with you um, from this story as a... Uh, Really practical thing. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.